Hey guys, today's episode I'm going to be re recording um, a special guest with Bob Turner. Uh, this show we talk about parenting, we talk about modeling our faith for our spouse and for our kids. The fact that they probably see and absorb a lot more uh, than we think that they do. So yeah, I really enjoy talking to Bob. He's always a good good person to talk to about a number of issues. We try to stay on topic here to make it a, a good, productive show, and I think we do a pretty good job. So thanks, Bob, for coming on to the show, and guys, hope you enjoy this episode with the one and only Bob Turner. We live in a divided world, divided religiously, politically, and economically. Oftentimes in our world, we want to run away from tough conversations that divide us about grief, pain, and loss. We want to avoid topics like shame, guilt, and pride. We'd rather escape to our phones instead of engaging in real conversations. I know this because I do this. So I created the Winter Faith Podcast. The Winter Faith Podcast is focused on creating conversations to promote spiritual and emotional growth through faith, apathy, and everything in between. So let's talk to each other. Yet more importantly, let's listen to each other. Let's continue the conversation. My name is Andy, and I have Winter Faith. I'm joined by uh, my friend Bob Turner this morning, and we're going to talk about a couple things. But I wanted to start off, a lot of times, this is Bob's first time on the show, I'm assuming very long time listener. Um, and I don't know if you remember this, but my first memory of you is you taking me to Java City and having coffee with you in 2008, when I was in college still, recruiting me for Harding School of Theology. Do you remember that conversation or that memory at all? I remember Java City. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. We have this friendship that goes all the, you know, goes back 10 years now, which is crazy. I remember a lot more about you be living on the, in the apartment above yes. me. And we remember those times very well. You, yes. were a wonder, you were a wonderful neighbor and you've been a good friend. Yeah, that's right. I kind of forgot we both were in the, yeah, we're very, very close neighbors. You remember cups of coffee, but you don't remember where you lived? I lived a lot of places, Bob. I mean, I moved like 11 times in my time during Memphis. So when you um, were living in Oxford, I think you would stay at our house on Monday nights. Monday nights. Yeah. Um, and actually, this is kind of a good segue. So yeah, I got to stay at your house every Monday nights. And, you know, your house was just one child at the time. And one of my favorite memories talking about, we're going to be talking about kind of like being home with our families, parenting, teaching our kids. And I remember you had this ritual of doing, I don't know if you still do it, kind of like a exercise routine before bed yeah. 
And I got to do that a couple times with you and your daughter, and that was awesome. We did push-ups. We did a little race. I love that. Uh, We still do the race kind of often, which is just kind of like a race where they get to set the course around the house. They like that. We do a – I try to have them do 100 exercise activities every day. Whoa, 100? Well, that can be like 25 jumping jacks, 25 okay. sit-ups. So it's not, it's not terribly rigorous. Uh, our five-year-old did choose to do 100 burpees one time. That was totally her choice. I don't know <laughs> why she would choose that, but she did. But those well, are some can, of our habits. We have some they, bad habits, too. <laughs> they, burpees can be pretty fun. I mean, just not 100 of them. That no, no, no. Yeah, no. Five sounds fun. So They're hard. Yeah. So what is, well, yeah, what's life been like for you these last, I guess we're about a month into this. Yeah, thing. we're a month in, in our house. Uh, my wife is a teacher, so she's, she's a kindergarten teacher. So she's kind of teaching her own students from a distance, uh, keeping up with them a few times a week. And then our own children who are five and 10 are at our house and they have some coursework that's supplied by their school, but then we're also trying to supplement and kind of help them get their work done. We're on top of each other. We're taking this pretty seriously. Uh, We've been doing grocery delivery. We are uh, not really leaving the house for anything except for, I think we have have occasional Starbucks or uh, McDonald's ice cream runs through the drive-throughs. But otherwise, um, for exercise, we've been in the neighborhood and I've been running up to the library at Harding a few times to to fetch things for people. but, But largely, we've been stuck in the house. Yeah, well, that's us too. My wife also is a school teacher. She's trying to do some stuff from home. Our six-year-old's trying to do homeschool. I helped her with math for, I think, 15 15 seconds yesterday. I thought that was pretty good. Math is hard. Yeah, it really is. It's hard to, there's no, it's just like, well, it just is. Like, why? Uh, I don't know. It just is. No, I can't talk my way out of that one. It's difficult. Math is hard. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, we've been at home The only time we left the house yesterday was to drop off um, some stuff at our friend's house. But yeah, we're, we're at home with two kids as well. We have a 10 month old and he is all over the place. So Mm. that's fun. No, that's hard. That's hard. Um, So what um, I want to talk to you a little bit about was just how you kind of teach your um, kid, not specific to this time, although you're our home a lot, probably get to interact with your kids more than normal, but just how you're um, teaching your kids or talking to your kids about faith. And that's something that, you know, I don't know about the age range, but I guess I'm thinking like four to 10 or something. And what are some of the practices you you use? Yeah, that's really good. I I would probably first distinguish between teaching and talking Mm -hmm. and, and we do talk, but we teach more. So the number one, I mean, probably the two ways that children are most likely to learn something is through habit and through model behaviors. Um, and so, you know, I mean, so habits are things, you know, when you brush your teeth, you have a bedtime, you have a routine, you have your routines and the structures in your life that you go through. And those are, those are habits that kids develop because somebody requires them to do something. And then you have perceived, perceived modeling that you have, which is like that I, I, I kiss Andrea when I come in from work or that we are affectionate to each other or that when we have a conflict, we try to like 
take a deep breath and listen or, and, and so kids watch that stuff too. Right. My, and, and, I, and I would say that 90% of what we do relative to faith formation is more modeling than talking. Okay. So what's, what does that mean if you're modeling? Well, your kids see your habits. I mean, they see what matters to us and they see how we, I mean, they, they see how you spend your money and they see how you participate in church. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. see who are the people that we spend our time with and kind of, um, kind of what values do we have? So they, they see all of that. They're, they're, they're taking all that in. Right. I, and, and, I, and I kind of think that if it doesn't really matter what we say, if they notice inconsistencies or incongruities, it really doesn't matter what we're talking about at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So I that's, agree that's that. kind of the base. That's kind of the base. Um, in the same way as with a marriage, I mean, you can, you can say as many nice things as your partner as you want to, but if you're not really modeling love to them, then those things aren't very effective. So that, yeah. Yeah. yeah actions matter a lot. You know, actions matter a lot. Um, yeah. So the modeling, could be going to church every Sunday. Sure. You know, um, taking, you know, so I work at a, um, I work at a shelter downtown. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my daughter will notice like, um, if somebody's laying on the street, if right. somebody's asking for money with the, you know, with a sign and, you know, she wants to know how, Hey, and you know, Andy, how can, how can you help them? <laughs> you should give them a home, you know, like her concept. I think it's really, I'm really proud that we're doing some like service activities where she comes and, right. and volunteers and, and we, you know, give gifts to people. Is that another, is that like kind of what you're talking about? Like modeling yeah. is that yeah. kind of stuff? I mean, okay. So I think kids are really, really brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they know exactly who we are. Really? I think, I think they totally know. And so I'm not terribly persuaded by models of parenting that are like, Hey, do this with your kids, do this out of the ordinary thing. This will, this will teach them this and this will do this. Cause I think the kids know exactly who we are. So I'm a little reluctant just to make it a bunch of tips and tricks. Um, I think our, I think our spouses know who we are too. Sure. So, so I would say, I mean, I, I would say who I am is the most critical thing. Um, right. In terms of the, but we do talk about our faith with our kids and we try to make it something that we're instructing them and also inviting questions from them and engaging them. But I don't know that that's terribly, I mean, they do ask questions. Um, mm-hmm. But it, yeah. Some of the questions we get, so we just did, you know, Easter, we watched, mm-hmm. You know, we watch church on our um, TV <laughs> through Facebook Live. That's right. Sure. A little odd experience for you know for, sure. for all of us. Um, and we read her. We used the uh, what is the title of it? The Story Time Jesus Bible. That's right. Yeah, I know that. we, That's right. So we use that, and we're trying to. You know, she's six, and we're reading the story of the crucifixion, and I'm kind of like. Hmm. How do I explain Jesus coming back from the dead? You know, and sometimes she'll—I don't know. You know, I she'll say like, I don't. I, I think this is a good thing, but she'll be like, I don't know. Like Jesus is really powerful, but 
I don't know about that. And I'm like, yeah, right, it, it right. is pretty tough to, I think I say like, it is pretty tough to believe. Um, yeah. And I usually don't say, but you should believe because that's what the Bible says, you know, but maybe I should be saying that. I don't know. What do you like specifically, I guess, I know modeling is really important um, for sure. They know who we are. I really like that you said that. But yeah, when you do get into, I guess, questions about the Bible, how, how do you guys handle that? Mm. We're still working through that. We are too. <laughs> it's uh, kind of tricky. <laughs> we are too. You know, there's this issue too, like other people in your life will tell them something that you don't think you wish yes. they hadn't told your child. Yes. And you don't want them to lose all of their love and appreciation and trust and goodwill toward all of these other people in their life. And right. you don't want to be the jerk dad who works in a theological library trying to prove all of your kids' heroes wrong. <laughs> you seem like no, you might have some experience with I have that. no interest in I mean I have no interest in being that guy. Uh, right, and I, right. I want we want we want our kids to love everybody. So yeah, I mean there is stuff that comes in to conversations that they'll say something and you're like, uh let's reframe that. Um Yeah. I, on on the actual, although I would say that I mean, if just just some examples, I mean mm-hmm. um we haven't we haven't come we haven't, we have a five and a 10, but I, we're, we're a little naive. I, we haven't come up against like critical issues about like, well, could a fish swallow a man and spit him out? I mean, I, we haven't exactly come through those questions yet. Right. I, I'm sure we will. Um, I really, um, I've been reading a little bit of PNs and mm-hmm. how he teaches um, his children or what he, w- I think he says, this is what I would have done. <laughs> um, he says, hey, let's start with Jesus and talk about Jesus and not worry about the Old Testament as much. And I mean, I love my church. I love my parents. I love all the biblical knowledge I have. But um, he talks about like, we we do a lot of character studies with kids. And we yeah. do like, this is Moses. This is Noah. This is um, Joseph and the and his coat of many colors. But um, he talks about like, um, hey, let's start with Jesus and focus on what he did for people and not get caught up in the death, burial, resurrection as, as much as, hey, let's talk about how he treated people. And I read that and I was like, wow, that doesn't seem like this like amazing, brilliant take. But I'm like, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it is. I mean, there are different, I guess, different ways. And I guess we have to wonder you know, what, what narratives do your kids lock into? I and mean, when I was a kid, it was like all of the death stuff. It was like David and Goliath and right. that kind of stuff. Um, or the really, I mean, if you, you know, Daniel and Lion's Den and yep. Jonah and the fish, which are pretty sensationalistic given that there's like 39 books of the old Testament, but our girls, I mean, I don't know. I mean, their, their two favorite stories are Esther and Ruth. Wait, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know that. I mean, there's obviously, those are obviously adult books that aren't exactly written for a 10 year old, but they're, they're not necessarily um, the, there's not things that you might call a little more jump off the page. Right. It's hard to explain. Well, that's really cool. Cause I, I mean, our daughter doesn't know those stories and I'm kind of like, just, you know, how did, how do you teach those, you know, don't have to go long, but just an idea of how you go about teaching that you're reading from something and then just kind of making comments. Well, I mean, in the story of Ruth, it makes it for you where, you know, 
mm-hmm. where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I mean, that's amazing. Um, right, right. So you're like, well, just read that verse again. Uh, Esther, not quite as easy to make some grandiose right. point. Um, but, but they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, we teach through song. And so if you can okay. get your kids to like Psalms and, hey, make up a song about this. Um, I, I don't fi- I find explaining the Bible to be very, very difficult. And I think they have a small patience. I think they have a very minimal patience for it. I think that explanation is overrated in preaching and teaching. Hmm. That um, I don't even know that we do it as much with other genres. Like, I don't know that if you took a freshman college level Shakespeare class that your teacher would read two verses of Shakespeare and then spend the next 15 minutes telling you what it means. <laughs> yeah, no, we right? don't do that in mine. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, I, you read I don't, the whole thing. Like you read you, everything, you know, you, you love it. You soak yeah, it in, you, you appreciate it. it. You enjoy it. You right. It's like, you watch um, the movie, you know, like you and, read it, you watch the movie, you talk about it. It's discussion. Yeah. I mean, I would say like, there's a difference between like, um, there's a difference between like a family picnic and being on a panel in a Napa Valley wine competition or something <laughs> where like one of them, it's like, fill up your plate and love this and share the meal. And the other one, right. like, people are sitting there sniffing the cork and smelling stuff and swiggling it around. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And one of them is super critical and trying to think of a smart thing to say to prove that you belong in the seat of the critic. And the other one is like, well, this is delicious and I'm kind of soaking it in. And I'm not convinced that most people for the history of the Bible treated it like explanation was the ultimate goal of this literature. And the reason I say that is like, I don't think if that were the case, why would half of the Old Testament be poetry? Mm-hmm. and and i think that i mean that's part of the problem with children's bible material by the way is like it's it totally avoids all poetry and it locks yeah in. you're right why is that huh i don't think i ever thought about that well yeah i mean so but it but it, it poses some problems like i mean i'm not dismissing the importance of jonah and the fish which is by the way a small chapter of jonah Right. Like even even within that four chapter story, getting swallowed by the fish is not even the terribly significant. Yeah, it's like ten verses. Peak of the story. Yeah. Although it is the one that Jesus cites in his own ministry, and that's the part that Jonah he remembers. But the um, but then I mean the, the David and Goliath thing is not actually an enormous critical piece. It's it's there in the story of David, but it's one chapter and. A, book and a half that tell his story and then chronicles mm-hmm. um so there is this idea where like these once in a thousand year fantastic stories do take center stage in children's bible curriculum and then also as kids are taught to read the new testament i mean it's just like it's so explanatory it's just this idea that and even our own preaching and teaching here's a verse and i'm going to spend 10 minutes telling you what it means and so the meaning of the verse becomes the doctrine and the meaning mm-hmm. of the verse becomes what people walk away remembering, not the verse. And I think that's highly problematic for adults. 
uh, I think it's problematic for adults. I think it's detrimental for kids. Wow. Yeah, um, you're right. Because I was sitting here thinking like, man, even with adults, this stuff could be taught better, right? Like, focus, so I think we, like we skip poetry for adults too. I mean, or, or well, songs. Like if, well, if you look you at like the book of Revelation is the best example in the New Testament, which is, it's crazy. It's this, it's this crazy book. Yeah. And what it means apocalyptically and all these visuals and all these things, it's like, but everybody wants to know, like, tell me what it means. Tell me what it means. Tell me what it right. means. Right. Interpret. Speaking, interpret it in English, in my words, and in my worldview to tell me what this means, which is the exact opposite of why the book exists. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, if it were supposed <laughs> to be a set of bullet points addressing congregational issues, and how the gospel interacts with it. Yeah, we have that. It's called First Corinthians. Mm. And so the, the idea that it's colorful, that Revelation is images and color and all of that, that's why it exists. So I, I think that the ex- explaining everything to death is really problematic. Um, yeah, it's not very helpful, you know, and even for, you know, even for our own, um, spiritual formation. Oh, I was thinking about this with you, Bob, too. I use the spiritual formation little workbook yeah. by Richard uh, Foster all the time. I've been using it forever since we did small group at your house when, whenever. Oh, yeah. I, I still have the same book that I ordered from when we did that. And I use that all the time because I think it's so good that, you know, another thing about teaching our kids is like they learn different ways, like using songs, using stories, using activities. Um, going out and doing like a service it's what you said before it's all that modeling stuff that's the you know who are you what are you doing I the one that scares me a little bit is how I spend my money it's like well we spent money on termites and ice cream yesterday (laughs) the removal of termites yeah Yeah, not (laughs) yet um (laughs) I you know I I think I think it's just, uh, we got to have patience for what they have patience for. Mm. Um, right. They, they do see everything. Hard. But I, I, th- I think, kind of just to wrap up, I do think they don't care about some of the things we care about. I think the oh, stories absolutely. exist. The stories for the sake of the stories. Uh, the people who wrote the stories know how to write a list. Uh, they know how to write a list of principles. There are books of the Old Testament that are books of principles. They know how to write the book of Proverbs. So when they are writing uh, a book of narratives like Judges um, or whatever it happens to be, to reduce that into the book of principles, I think betrays what the author was trying to do in the first place. Yeah. Well, this is good. I think this is helpful. I hope that it's helpful. Um, so I'm, I'll probably reference the Pete Ern's book, and I was going to ask you, what's the best um, Bible song that your girls like to sing? What's their favorite song? Oh, they like the Arky Arky song a lot right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. They like that. Uh, you know, that can, you can make up verses at the end, and so they have begun doing that. They like that one. Um, in terms of praise songs, they sing the song Awesome God a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Mm-hmm. Uh, w- w- well, you know, and the song um, Step by Step comes out of the Psalms. So we try to cool. do that. But I mean, I think putting it on their terms, uh, we do try to have habits in our life where we talk about these things. And I do Bible trivia with them and try to familiarize them with the people and places and 
Okay. Um, yeah. But but it really, um, every parent's going to have a different feel for that, and every parent's going to do things differently. And I don't yep. get terribly, I don't know, too rigid about what they're doing or what kind of what kind of like set curriculum they should do or catechism or whatever. I mean, I think it's it's pretty open to whatever parents feel called to. And you, uh, we try to, um, like pray, you know, pray before meals. That's a habit. Pray at Mm -hmm. night. That's kind of a habit. The other thing is when we see, um, like a hospital or a fire truck, a lot of times we'll be like, Oh, let's pray real quick. for Oh, I like that. That's That's good. I, I, um, that's all my wife. She started doing that long before I came around so that anytime she hears a siren, she'll be like, all right, let's pray. Love that. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is good. This is a good My, thing to do. So it is. I so I don't. I'm really reluctant. I don't. I don't. Um, I've said this before. I'll, I don't know if I'm going to talk about this, but I don't. I don't really have a lot of trust in like parenting tips. Um, <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> well, no, you don't have to. <laughs> no, I mean. So okay, first of all, like the Bible says a lot about husbands and wives. It doesn't actually say a ton about parenting. Mm-mm. There are some verses here and there. There's some Proverbs. There's a little bit in the New Testament, like fathers don't you know, do this to your kids. But, right. but largely, they don't say a lot. The other thing is that they don't... Uh, it, it, it seems to me that... It seems to me that you're really only your child's parents in some sort of like where you have a lot of control uh, for a a few decades at most, right? A decade and a half or something Mm -hmm. where you are the partner of your spouse for decades. I mean, for, you know, maybe as long as you live. Right. And uh, so I think there's this current uh, temptation to make everything about parenting. I'll give you an example. Like in our Bible class, sometimes I've said like, Hey, let's talk about, let's talk about our families and automatically everybody talks about their kids. Sure. I find that very interesting. Um, number one, I would say that having a, having a, a partner can't, would be your family, even if you choose not to have kids. So you would still have a family. I also, I don't know what your experience is here, but it just seems to me that it's way easier to talk about how you're setting culture for your young children than it is how you're doing your marriage because in your, because with your marriage, you don't have, um, you're not in charge of your spouse. Yeah. Right. You can't just put on like PBS kids and be like, see you later. No. And you can't <laughs> say like, this is our routine. This is our habit. This is what I expect from you. Right. Uh, you can't, you can't say any of that. Uh, further, most people aren't terribly thrilled with their marriage. But I would say most people, when your kid is like four, you think your family's awesome. Yes, absolutely. There are people living in like hard poverty Mm. who really have difficult lives, life situations, who adore their children and really believe they're doing their best. Mm -hmm. I know people who have great lives who are totally unconfident in their marriage. So... So I say all this to say that I think that um, 
if you if you really try to be a great parent, I'm not sure you're going to get a great marriage out of it. If you really try to have a great marriage, I think that your parenting will kind of turn out in the end. Mm. Hey, that's a good. I like that. That makes sense. And like, and all all you need to look at is Facebook, and just look at how many people gloat about what their parenting exploits. But really, like marriage is very secondary. Mm. Yeah. Because your partner fights back, your partner knows who you are, like you can't fool them. I mean, you have to have integrity. They kind of know you. Um, yeah, and just to go back on what, or to not go back on it, but to refer to what you said, you, we don't fool our, if we think we're fooling our kids, that's not true either. You know, it's not. They, they know who we are. It might be it just takes them longer. It takes them longer to figure it out. That's the difference. It's like there's a time delay on fooling your kids. Like it'll, it, it won't, it won't set until like they're like sixteen or seventeen. A five year old's not going to call you on the carpet. Um, but with your partner, it's like every day. And and I think that people uh, like right now. I mean, it just is so. It, so if you look at parenting, it's like parenting is like how to be a person that you really. A lot of the advice is like how to be somebody different than you are, so that your kids will turn out well. <laughs> Say how to be, how to be different than who you are, so your kids. Yeah, yeah, and that doesn't seem like a good philosophy. No, <laughs> and it's also like considered really temporary. It's like just make it till they're eighteen, which is why you see a lot right. of marriages fall apart once kids turn yeah. eighteen because the, yep. the the only thing the parents had in common was their kid. And then, but with marriage, it's much more playing the long view, and it's much more about your personal integrity. And it's much more about kind of self-sacrifice and these sorts of things. Um, and, and it's not about being the hero all the time. And so uh, you can't spend money to make everything go away. So I, I just think it's a different model. And I'm just curious about, it seems very a road less traveled right now. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good spot, you know, to just kind of like a good summary is like, if you want to be a good parent, you know, be a good husband, be a good wife. And it's gonna, that's gonna be, that's gonna really put you on the right path. And, and it's super popular to talk about self-care and personality and Enneagram and virus, like all this stuff, it can be helpful tools, but what do you, you know, just wrap it up. Like, what are you modeling? How are you treating your spouse? Kids, kids see more than we think. Oh, self-actualization is totally overrated. Uh, focus on your own character, uh, change the things you can change and, uh, don't worry about the things you can't, you can't, I mean, Great. yeah. Thanks man. There's a lot more we could do, but anyway, oh, yeah. hey, hey you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job with this, with this podcast, by the way. And I appreciate you doing it. You've, you've, you've put out a lot of episodes and I know that's a ton of post-production work. And so you should be really pleased with what you've done. Today's artwork was done by Dominique Frazier. The intro was done by Scarlet Fox. The music you're listening to, Josh Cleveland. And the creator and editor and producer of the Winter Faith Podcast, yours truly, Andy Frazier. Well, you did it again. You spent your time listening to my show. 
You probably could have spent this time playing games or binging Game of Thrones on your phone, but instead you spent it with me, so I thank you for your time. If you haven't already, downloaded and subscribed to the Winter Faith Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't already, please leave a review on iTunes with good, bad, or ugly feedback. Also, please consider supporting the show on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. However, I do accept Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, and any other way you want to contribute to the show financially. Okay, my commercials are done. Andy, out. <laughs>